Wake Up with the Press Box with Granny and Bischoff. Weekday mornings at 7 on ESPN Las Vegas. KWWN in Las Vegas. Let's go! The 4 o'clock football frenzy. Hey, you hit me so hard down there. Presented by Dustin DeHart of Nova Home Loans. Call him now at 702-577-2600. The 4 o'clock football frenzy on Cofield and Company. 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 You got it. Adams Family Edition, Cofield and Company on Tuesday afternoon, NHL opening night. But, of course, you are inside the football frenzy. Give me a little crunch, Ari. Um... Let's pull the veil back a little bit on the hardest working man in Las Vegas, our friend Adam Hill. Um, Adam, you have been not only covering the Raiders all day, but literally during the show, you have been <laughs> trying to keep up with the pace of all the John Gruden news. What what have you done so far today? What's today? Uh, it, it is Tuesday, <laughs> October the 12th. I don't, I mean, I feel like yesterday is today and it, I don't yeah. know that there's a difference. Yeah. Yeah, it's all it's all, yeah. Time is the nebulous concept. I understand. It's mostly in like it's it's boring, but it's sending out. I don't know. I would have to look through my phone. Probably two hundred texts to people to try to get comments from anybody and everyone, yeah. including players and league personnel and staffers and and anybody. Um, also, some people I don't have numbers, so it's like sliding into the DMs of a bunch of people. Uh, hey, can you call me back? I'm trying to work on a story. Hey, girl. Um, so I pretty much reached out to everybody. Uh, the during the show, uh, we had, and I think you mentioned it, that uh, Tampa Bay has removed Gruden or will remove Gruden from the Ring of Honor. Uh, also, Skechers uh, dropped him as a uh, uh, endorser of their shoes. Which, by the way, I'm a big Skechers guy. Uh, I assume. Can I still you. wear? Can I still wear the shoes? You just have to look at which ones he was pitching in the commercials, and you sure. can't wear those. Um, oh, no. By the way, I'm oh, sorry to be distracted here. I'm watching um, NFL Network in studio right now, and just all too familiar of the NFL Network reporter, who I don't know who this is, all the way across the street in the desert from the facility yeah. where you're actually allowed to shoot. And it just – he I know where he's standing. It's just uncomfortable. It's rocks everywhere. It just sucks. Poor guy. Well, um, I wanted to – I wanted to give everybody a picture of what your day has been like. Sure. Um, because not that we can compare it because it was 10 days after the one October shootings, but um, it's a very different opening night for the Golden yeah. Knights tonight than it was a few years ago. And the Raiders, it feels to me, with the way this has gone since they got here with the COVID lockout of the stadium and the lack of wins, and now the Gruden situation. Um, it's pretty much been the anti-Golden Knights start for the Raiders over their first couple of years in Las Vegas. They, you know, you have the losses. You have now what I assume is going to be some level of bad will. Um, and now you look at the other side of the coin across the street at the Golden Knights who, who get underway tonight, and you start to think to yourself, like, yeah, what did we consider a problem for the Golden Knights? that they traded Marc-Andre Fleury after he led them to the Stanley Cup Finals and deep into the playoffs two more years. The Raiders wish for such problems uh, right now. So I guess, what do you think has to happen next for the Raiders to begin to recover from this in the eyes of people who live here? I thought, I mean, sorry to go back, I thought you were going to go with 
the Raiders did this to make sure they control the storylines ahead that of the would Golden be quite a desperate move. <laughs> the quite. Golden Knights. Yeah, well, yeah, the Ra- the Raiders, <laughs> the most reclusive PR franchise in the history of sports, are going to go ahead and get a story out there in front of the Golden Knights. I love how we're flipping the narrative on its head. Let's not let the Golden Knights get the attention for their opener. Right. Um, no, I, I mean, I think it, it starts with, I mean, I know people are freaking out that Mark Davis hasn't hasn't spoken yet. Uh, I I know, you know, the statement that he put out yesterday um, was a bit insane. It was just we accept the resignation of John Cruden, um, and I just saw people pointing out, "Hey, the Bucks came out with a very strong, um, you know, rebuke of John Gruden as a person and and took him out of the Ring of Honor. Why can't the Raiders do something similar?" Uh, I get it, but I, I think that they're trying to they're trying to get this right. You know, they want they want to have a message that you know talks about that situation that gives it its proper. Um, you know, it's it's proper weight, but at the same time spins it into what they plan to do going forward and how they plan to change the culture and that sort of thing. And and that might not be fair because this is one person and he was a big part, a, a big you cast a big shadow over the organization and had a hand in everything. But you can't just say automatically, well, everybody's racist because John Gruden knew him. Like that's silly. Um, but I mean, I think it is all about how they how they move forward from this, how they try to implement changes if any are needed, and, and how they um, communicate that message to the public. And, and I think it is very important. And so I'm I'm willing to say, hey, if, if Mark Davis needs a couple of days to process this, to fully grasp the story before he speaks, I mean, listen, he could have spoken Sunday and said, hey, this email was awful. It's It was reprehensible and unacceptable and, you know, whatever he wanted to say. And then the next day, you you get a deluge of more emails. Like I, I think you want to make sure the whole story is out there. You understand it. You grasp it, and then um, set the right tone for how you want to make this go forward. Because this is a very very dark cloud over the organization right now. Yeah, and you talk about the deluge of emails, and and that's the thing. And we're going to talk about this in the five o'clock hour. Uh, you know, we're going to get back to what did Mark Davis know, and when did he know it, and and that's part of the communication that has to come out from the Raiders organization right now. They have to come out and be very clear about what they knew and when they knew it, because if you don't, you risk the message that you're putting out there basically falling flat if it ever comes out that you hid something uh, at this point. And for Mark Davis, he also has the personal history and this franchise's history of the I Can Breathe tweet uh, to keep in mind as well. That was potentially too quick of a reaction from the Raiders. So I'll give them this much. If they want to take their time and get it right this time, that's fine. But you better get it right and you better be upfront. You better be transparent about what's coming up here in the future for this organization. Um, the future for the NFL in Germany. The, the players were really fired up right. about your point. What's the yeah, really? <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. The, crowd, <laughs> the crowd's into it. Crunch, crunch. Yeah. Um, the NFL is is expanding to to of all places, Adam, Germany, Dusseldorf, Frankfurt, Munich. Hello, like we're going uh, we're going down the line here as the NFL considers those three cities to host its first game in Germany in either 2022 or 2023. Adam, I, I, I kind of got the London thing um, as as a you know a way to grow the overall overseas market when they started doing it, and you know now it's kind of grown uh, into having multiple games. Um, these games 
mean a lot of money to yeah. a lot of teams, to a lot of people betting on sports. I feel like we're coming toward that jump the shark point here of how far we go with it with going to Germany. Uh, okay, I'll allow that unless the Raiders are in the game, and then I think it's a great idea. Although that's I, fair, I, I think uh, yes, and and of course it's always about what's in it for me. Uh, I, we're media. That's I how propose works. Italy. Yes, um, in maybe, the Colosseum, maybe Greece. How, how about this? If they held the game in the old Roman Colosseum. Would it be Oof. in better shape right now than Oakland Coliseum? Oof. Probably. Maybe. You think any of the gladiators had some awful emails that could leak? I don't, I, not the Las Vegas gladiators, obviously. We're talking no. about the, uh, the, the old gladiators yeah. and parchment scrolls. Sure. Um, yeah, I, I'm, I'm sure there was probably a, a little bit of xenophobia, a little bit of racism among, uh, among the old gladiators. But, yeah, Germany, man. I mean, this is, I don't know. <laughs> what do you think? The shield going too far here? Um, no, listen, I, I'm as much as like, we joke about it, we can joke about, Hey, we're punishing London by sending the Jaguars and the Panthers and or, sorry, the Jaguars and the jets and all these other bad teams over there. Like, I, I think that they embrace it. They, they seem to love it. Um, I don't think it's that much of a, a burden on teams, especially they get a bye week afterward. Um, and the way travel is now is not the same as it was 20 years ago. I mean, it's, it's faster, it's more comfortable, um, I, I I think it's fine, and I do like the expansion of the game in that way. And yes, uh, selfishly, if they do want to send the Raiders somewhere, which I don't think they will anymore, because obviously the the games in Vegas generate a lot of money. So unless they're a road team, it's probably not going to happen. Uh, but yeah, I I, I think I, I like anything that expands the game. When we come back, Miles Simmons covered the. Raiders with Adam for the Review Journal. He's covered John Gruden. He's with Pro Football Talk now, and he's going to weigh in on his thoughts on what's going on around Gruden and the Raiders here on Cofield & Company. Dustin DeHart of Nova Home Loans brings you the 4 o'clock football frenzy. Dial 702-577-2600 now. Home prices have never been higher, and interest rates have never been lower. Get your mortgage tune-up today by calling 577-2600. He's got the trifecta going. Uh, misogynistic, uh, homophobic, <laughs> and racist, right? I, I don't know. I, I, I don't know. He has to go. Now, back to Coalfield and Company in the Finley Toyota Studio. 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 If the words aren't fine, you must resign. <laughs> that, of course, is OJ Stimson. <laughs> Uh, oh, no. The juice is loose here on Cofield and Company, weighing in on John Gruden from from his perch, from his place. I was going to say of moral authority, perch. Apparently, his place and perch together. Adam Candy, Adam Hill on Cofield and Company. Uh, Steve is out till the end of the week, but we keep some things in order even when Steve is gone. Like talking to our man Miles Simmons on Tuesday afternoon, former. Review Journal Raiders reporter and pro football talk guy. Now, um, Miles, uh, I know you have been as busy as every other NFL-related media person over the last few days, even beyond what it usually looks like during uh, during the season. Um, what have you been feeling? What have you been thinking as we've gone through the last 
few days around the the league and the Raiders. Well, because, I mean, you you see one thing on Friday and, you know, it dropped right before we did PFTPM and, you know, you read a little bit about it. And the thing that sort of stuck out to me more than anything else was Gruden's apology and how it just didn't feel enough like an apology. You know, it just felt like, wow, I got kind of caught with something um, with my hand in the cookie jar and like, I, I like I'm sorry, you know, I'm sorry for anybody who I heard. And you know, let let's all move on from this. Let's all move on from this. And you know, when he starts talking about the racist bone in my body, like I don't have a racist bone in my body, and it's just like, man, like that you're you're equivocating in what you're saying, right? You're 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 using this excuse to say, well, you can take it this way, but I didn't mean it that way, so you shouldn't take it that way. And there's no such thing as a racist bone, right? You know, people who are or are not racist may say racist things. And nobody's going to come out and admit that they're a bigot. And I, frankly, I kind of understood the this is going to blow over. It's one email. It's, it is what it is. And then the stuff comes out from the New York Times last night. And it's, honest to goodness, for me at least, truly shocking. Because even if you, even if you know and you understand some of the Neanderthal... Um, I guess, mentality that exists throughout the NFL, it's still sort of stark just to see it in black and white written there in front of you, knowing that he was sending this to an NFL team president and general manager at the time, that other men were joining up in this really just kind of sick, nasty stuff, man. When you're talking about them exchanging topless photos of Washington football team cheerleaders, it's disgusting, right? It's so... And it's on company email. Like, what are you doing? So I just, I don't know. I mean, there was only one solution, and that was for John Gruden to lose his job as head coach of the Las Vegas Raiders. And now that it's happened, you know, it just, you've got a franchise that's like, okay, where are you going to go from there? But you've also got a head coach who won a Super Bowl who is now a disgrace. And the Tampa Bay Buccaneers have already come out and said that they're taking him out of their ring of honor. And that was something that was bestowed upon him just a few years ago. Um, so it, it's, it's kind of crazy to see just how, how quickly and how far John Gruden has fallen in the last couple of days. But I mean, when, when you understand exactly what it is that he's done and what it is that he said there, like I said, there, there was no other solution. So uh, there's so many different aspects to this story. Um, yeah. but I'm, I'm very intrigued by how much you think. You've, you've been on both sides. I mean, you're in the media now. You, you worked on the team side of things for a while. You know a little bit of how organizations work for sure. How much fear is there? And, and, and based on that, how unlikely is it that we hear from many people around the league thinking, you know what, I could say something right now and really bash Gruden, but when do they start coming from my emails? I'm not going to say anything. Well, that's the thing, Adam, right? I mean, there are 650,000 emails that they apparently harvested and have gone over in some sort of way from this Washington football team scandal. And so there have got to be other people around the league who know that they may have said something untoward to Bruce Allen or Daniel Snyder or any one of the several hundred Washington football employees that were there or, you know, people whose uh, emails are being investigated. Like, there, there is no end to that. I mean, think about how many emails that is. 650,000 of them. I mean, then, you know, this is 
could be anything from just usual personnel correspondence to the kind of crap that was being sent between John Gruden and Bruce Allen and the others. It, so I think that, yeah, there probably is some sort of fear going on in the league. And I would also say that that's probably why they need to release all of these emails, right? You need to release findings that that came out of that Washington football team investigation because then this is not a defense of John Gruden at all, to be clear. You know, I like I said, he deserved what he got. But when you are selectively releasing these things, it's almost like a sense of blackmail, right? And that's a big term, but it kind of is because it's like, we know that you have said XYZ in your past, right? And it it has the potential to damage your career to the point where it ends, right? So at this point, it sort of seems like somebody had it out for John Gruden. And I can understand why when he used the language he used against you know, somebody like the commissioner, right? And not just D. Smith, who is the executive director of the Players Association. I mean, you... It was really an interesting corporate PR strategy, in my opinion, where, you know, D. Smith, who is um, trying to be elected as the executive director of the Players Association again, right before that comes out, you have this racist tweet, racist email that comes out from John Gruden, and maybe that helped him secure his votes. Maybe it didn't. I don't know on Friday. But that also was the opportunity for Gruden and the Raiders and Mark Davis, the owner, to get ahead of this. And say, okay, yeah, we also know that there's some other emails and yeah, John Gruden should not be coaching this team. Or John Gruden could have said the same thing because he told Chris Mortensen on Friday, I said some bad things about the commissioner too. So then you get through the weekend and he coaches that game and then Monday night, all of this stuff drops. And it's like, okay, so you didn't resign when we gave you the first chance. Now the rest of this stuff's coming out, man. And so this is what's going to happen to you and you're not going to be able to survive this. And so that that's an effective strategy and clearly it worked. But yeah, I, I don't quite remember what the question was. Sorry, but I, <laughs> I think good. that it's just, I, I don't know, I'm meandering. But like, I, I just feel like when you have all these emails and, you know, you have different people who have been in contact with members of that Washington football organization, the right thing to do at this point is to release everything and make all of this stuff public so we all understand just how bad it was in Washington because right now we don't know because we aren't allowed to. And I think that that's a little ridiculous. Miles Simmons joining us here on Cofield and Company. All right, Miles, I'm going to try to refocus you and get you down a narrow path here. Um, it's hard sometimes. I'm sorry. That's okay. That's okay. This I, I have a feeling this question might might uh, might do it for you. So, um, we've focused very narrowly, and I should say, all three of us have worked as reporters, and I think that's how our minds work on these things: is trying to put pieces together, trying to find credibility in evidence. And we know that Mark Davis said in his statement on Friday that there were other materials. Adam pointed that out immediately. Uh, upon seeing the statement, obviously there were other materials. And I think we get focused in on, well, between Friday and Monday, what did Mark Davis know? I guess from my perspective, if Mark Davis spent six years courting John Gruden, you over the course of six years, we, we think that Mark Davis, in talking to Gruden, in talking to other people around the league, in I'm not saying Mark Davis himself believes the same things as John Gruden. There's no indication, there's no inkling, there's nothing that tells you that, that that there's something about John Gruden that you should know before you hand him 10 years and $100 million. I guess it's just that my antennae go up when I start to think about that. 
Sure, no, but I think the other part of this is it's almost kind of some nostalgia on Mark Davis's part too. I mean, because he was not, you know, a young, too young of a man, but I mean, he was coming into his own when John Gruden was the head coach of the Raiders before, back in Oakland, back in 98, you know? And so I think that part of it has just been, there's probably this long-standing admiration for somebody who he saw come in, coach the Raiders well, then get traded to Tampa Bay and immediately win a Super Bowl, and then was still so long um, respected um, in and around the league, and, you know, goes on to be a really good analyst on Monday Night Football as well. So, like, I think there's all kinds of stuff that gets mixed into that. Um, Because, look, people knew who John Gruden was to a certain extent, right? I mean, we all saw the sort of, uh, I don't, I don't, it's not quite the extent of everything that was in those emails. And it certainly isn't because you wouldn't put that on TV, but think about what we saw when John Gruden was on hard knocks, right? The whole knock on wood, man, if you're with me, you know, this whole, ah, he does this, he does that. It's just this, I'm so mad, you know, oh, I'm not into dreams. I'm into creating bleeping nightmares, right? Like all of these things, I don't, it's, I'm not saying that, like, we should have known, because why, why would you, you know? People don't, you don't know what people say or do in their private lives or what they think is, is their private life when they're, you know, sending things on company email. Um, but I I think that a lot of it was steeped in nostalgia from Mark Davis, and it, the, to an extent, I, I, I do understand that. Well, Miles, uh, the nostalgia certainly is going to take uh, quite the twist here, and we'll see what Mark Davis comes up with here over the next few days he's our regular on tuesday afternoons uh miles thank you for meandering with us for a while uh my pleasure guys yeah i know i'm sorry we didn't get that many questions in because i just kept talking today it's great you know it's kind of what we (laughs) we we are one of those strange radio shows that like when our guests talk instead of us so (laughs) crazy i know actually before even before i let you go sorry to do this to ari he's gonna flip out on us uh that's fine i was asked a really weird question um i did I think 172 interviews today, just like you probably have. Um, in Australia, they said, "How big is this story?" And I was like, "I mean, it's it's big. Like, what well, what is the answer? Like, how big is this for you guys at Pro Football Talk? Is this the biggest story of the year in the NFL?" Hmm, I don't know if it's the biggest story. I mean, I would say it's certainly one of them. But I think when you see that, like, I mean, hey, you're doing radio interviews in Australia. That's yeah. kind of cool, man internationally known adam hill over there um but i mean you also see it it was on morning shows today on like cnn i'm like watching and i see ian rapaport i'm like what's this and then, you know you've got the, it on um the nightly news shows as well it, it's it's everywhere and for good reason you know i mean john gruden was one of the most prominently known um coaches and personalities in the league so like yeah it, it's pretty it's pretty big and i mean it should be you know you when somebody is, when somebody has this many examples of bigotry and you know misogyny and racism and sexism and homophobia and is the coach of the first openly gay active player in the NFL, it just it's a lot. Should it's I, a lot. Should I go super name droppy on the on the interviews because no, you Hell shouldn't because yeah. no, you, you already ask. kept us Do at it. a break once to tell us Do you've it. talked on okay. interviews. Uh, no, Do it. last night I was I was on hold. With Chris Cuomo, no way. And they were wow. like, "If we have, if we have a chance before the end of this break, can you jump on?" And I was like, "Yeah, I guess." And then <laughs> the their vaccine mandate argument went too long, and then they oh. were like, "You're off." But I was like, "That oh, well. like 
That is pretty massive. That like CNN is like, hey, we need somebody to talk about anybody that's a warm body. Can they talk about this right now? And I guess I, I got I got my number. My number came up. I guess so. Well, hey, man, yes, I'm under warm body. Yeah, <laughs> yes. warm body that may or warm... may not know something about the Raiders. Yes. Yeah, they googled warm body Las Vegas Raiders and came up with uh, with <laughs> pops, Adam Hill. That's right why I got to. That's why I got to go and uh, talk to CNN. Yes. At least the producer. Oh, Miles, yeah. man, uh, we. We appreciate it. I said our guests get to talk more, and then Adam proved me wrong. <laughs> that's okay. I don't mind listening to Adam. I'm used to it. That's a, yeah, that's a good point. If anybody was Fair. ready for it, it was you. Uh, yep. All right, guys. When we come back, uh, we're going to get everybody their Hidden Valley Ranch Crocs. The crew over at Finley Toyota speak Spanish, Thai, and even Persian. In fact, they speak 14 different languages. Come in and talk the universal language of big savings today. We don't mess around when it comes to food. It's the Fat Pack, brought to you by Nova Home Loans. And there's wine already for tasting. Well, you can't talk football all day. I mean, we probably could. <laughs> sure. But we probably shouldn't because you've heard us blab on about football for an hour and a half if you have that much patience. Adam Candy and Adam Hill here on Cofield and Company. Uh, let's... Let's just sneak in a little something special. Uh, uh, let's just say we, uh, we'll put a little dressing on our show today. We'll put a little ranch dressing. Good one. We'll sprinkle a ranch dressing on our show today. Um, we'll spend, I don't know, let's say about $70 on our ranch dressing. That doesn't seem unreasonable, right, Adam? It does. $70? It seems very unreasonable for ranch. Mm, I don't know. What if I uh, what if I told you a little bit more about it? What if I told you you could have Hidden Valley Ranch Crocs? They are off white. They have green specks. They even have little ranch icons on them. Uh, foods that can receive ranch are they're, they're actually like maybe a half inch high, and they are pasted onto the shoes. And they are Crocs that actually have the little strap in the back so that you can be the envy of your next homeowners association meeting. Do they make blue cheese Crocs? Does Hidden Valley Ranch make blue cheese? I mean, I know we're talking about basically the exact same food where you just replace like two ingredients. Uh, no. Um, but Ranch is a horrific, it, disgusting thing. Agreed and 100% endorsed. And finally, we found something food-wise that Adam and Adam and Ari all agree on uh, on the show. But let, let's flip this on its head for a second, Adam. Is there a food product that you would stand so hard that you would wear shoes of them? I don't think so. I mean, like I think we've talked about my, my favorite food in the world is black olives. I don't think I'm buying like a black olive shoe. I don't even know what that would entail. Hmm. Um, would it, would like I be love sold in I a love can. I love tacos. Now, hey, 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 now we're getting somewhere. I think maybe, maybe, maybe where you and I could meet up is something that, like if Tacos El Gordo made a shoe. Sure. Yeah, man. Right. Um, yeah, that, there's something kind of cool about that. But like I've seen, you know, I've seen like people that wear like pizza pants. Why? No. What are you doing? No, this is weird. Can I? I mean, can, um, don't try too hard. No. And can I also speak about Crocs in general? Like, can we? 
can we make the stigma go away? Because like I don't, I generally don't care what people think about clothing and stuff. Like I literally put less than two seconds of thought into anything I'd ever buy or wear or anything like that. But I have avoided Crocs just because people make fun of them so hard. But they do look super comfortable. Do they? They look. They look like to be sweaty to me. They look like you stick your your feet in and then you go out on your typical Vegas summer day and all of a sudden like you're making Hidden Valley Ranch in your shoes whether they're Hidden Valley Ranch Crocs or not I mean maybe but I, I like you know I I love a flip-flop okay, but at the fair. same at the same time like your shoe has like zero like your foot is just out there has zero yeah. protection if something falls in your foot it's probably smashed yeah and that always made me wonder <laughs> Uh, but you know, before um, before he was someone we do not talk about, Mario Batali, the famous chef, wore Crocs everywhere, right? And I'm huh. like, you're in the kitchen, dude. Yeah, you're in the kitchen. You're gonna drop a hot pan on your Crocs like <laughs> that? And and it turns out that wasn't even the worst thing that that Mario Batali could have come up with in the kitchen. <laughs> sure. Uh, <sighs> yeah. All right. So you're not buying the shoes. You don't no, want the seventy dollars. I'm, I'm definitely Crocs. not buying them. But I like I'm not opposed to Crocs like most people are. I won't wear them. But but only because of the weird stigma that we've all of a sudden just okay. decided nobody's allowed to wear Crocs. Which who decided this? I don't know. I, I think there is there is a man close to our hearts who could be the one to take up this cause because I don't think anyone would bat an eye if Steve Cofield showed up in Crocs literally no. anywhere in Las Vegas, like wearing one of his two dollar off the strip uh, Vegas hats. Um, you know, some sort of nasty old hoodie, like and and Crocs. Like maybe he could start this for us. Yeah. In fact, it's to be expected if Cofield were to do this. Yeah, I think that. Yeah, and I think that that's the beginning of normalizing the whole thing. We'll we'll work on it. Cofield's uh, Cofield's off trotting the globe right now, but when he gets back, we got to have this conversation uh, with him. We get him back on this show today. We're going to talk with Ryan Harris. He does radio in Denver, former player in the National Football League. As we get ready for the Raiders and the Broncos this week, yes, there is an actual football game going on involving the Las Vegas Raiders. Join the conversation on Twitter at ESPN Las Vegas. Now, back to Cofield and Company in the Finley Toyota Studio. Studio. Cofield and Company bring you to the end of the workday on a Tuesday afternoon. Adam Candy and Adam Hill. Ari at the Finley Toyota Studios. Myron Medcalf sharing his opinions on John Gruden. 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 Okay. This is the part of the show where we're going to actually talk about a little bit about on the field as well because we've got our man in Denver. Ryan Harris joining us sort of does Denver radio, former NFL player. And before we get to all that, Ryan, uh, you got you got a pretty cool gig uh, coming up, going back with your fight in Irish uh, this weekend on Westwood One, huh? Yeah, yeah. Well, it's good to be with you, Adam and Adam. Yeah, I'll be doing the uh, Steelers uh, Seahawks game for Westwood One for you know uh, Sunday. So having fun doing college with the Notre Dame, even though they've given me three heart attacks already this <laughs> season. And then uh, fun to fun to go back home to Pittsburgh where I ended my career and. See friends and uh, and educate fans about the game they love. 
Well, we'll uh, we'll go ahead and take that one. Put it right on Ari for telling me you were doing the <laughs> Notre Dame for Westwood one. Whatever, Steelers Seahawks. Come on, good. Ari. We, Come on, Ari. <laughs> we, appreciate, we appreciate that. Uh, you know, it's always good to blame Ari. So, uh, Ryan. Uh, you know, it's always going to be a big story when the Raiders and the Broncos get together uh, as they do this weekend. And obviously now it's going to happen under completely uh, different circumstances with the John Gruden situation. Um, you know, what are you thinking? What are you feeling? Uh, what are you hearing uh, on the ground in Denver from people you know around the league about what's going on in Las Vegas? Well, you know, it's interesting. Most people, I, I believe, you know, the way you said it, see this situation as in, hey, you know, it's a very different team, but that's the thing about football. Football is home for all of the players and all of the fans, right? So the big mistake for the Broncos would be to think that because of the external noise that there's not a team in that Las Vegas locker room that's ready to take out their frustrations and prove that they can win and that, you know, whatever they feel on whatever side about what happened, that's going to come out. And, and you can't – there's no interviews during the game on the field. So that's the thing that's going to be interesting because I really believe – um, the, the external distractions are going to help the team focus because they're facing a common enemy and football, football becomes their North star and they get to unleash it all on Sunday. Where, where is the Broncos as a team right now? We like the Raiders. We're talking about all this other craziness, but the bottom line is they were three and oh, another three and two facing going back to 500. Where's the Broncos mindset right now? Well, it's amazing. Every NFL season, you know, the first four weeks really, you know, most teams go two and two or some version of that, right? Or in rare, you got, might have a few three and one teams. But week five, you really start to see the separations. And that's because teams have more film. Teams are studying players, finding out what they can do. And so uh, when it comes to the Broncos, they have to do, they make some adjustments defensively. There's no pass rush outside of Vaughn Miller, even though Malik Reed had a sack this last week. Uh, their linebackers have dropped three interceptions this year that literally hit them in the chest. If it was a spear, they'd be dead. And then there have been uncharacteristic plays uh, by the secondary. So they've got some things to decide uh, defensively. And then offensively, I mean, they've got a top 10 tight end in Noah Fant, and they haven't th- and they threw him the ball for the first time in the fourth quarter last game against the Steelers. So they have to become consistent offensively, calling the run. I mean, guys, Javante Williams was averaging seven yards a carry, and they only rushed him eight times. Like, you got to let that player play. Uh, so they got to become consistent offensively, and they have to make some changes defensively if they want to be competitive for a playoff spot, especially in the AFC West. And now we look at this AFC West, and of course the standings look pretty much nothing like we expected. Uh, Kansas City uh, floundering <laughs> at the bottom uh, right now. I mean, what do you make of what's going on in this division? Because it's sort of like one of those things where everything we knew has gotten turned on its head. Well, Patrick Mahomes' off-schedule plays have allowed defenses to change their coverage and the amount of people they rush. For example, if you know the likelihood on second and long is that Patrick Mahomes is not going to step up in the pocket, you're not going to blitz an extra backer. You can put that backer in coverage now, and you can determine, too, whether he likes running towards or away from the trips or what it may be. So now you can start hedging your bet. You almost get to put a shift in like in baseball. So what I love, though, is that like the champion he is, Patrick Mahomes, after the game said, I have to reevaluate everything. And how many of us, when when mistakes happen, say, nope, this is the way, this is the way, it's the only way I know. So I expect him to get better playing for the Chiefs. I know Andy Reid will continue to work tirelessly to to create the tweaks or maybe cut down the playbook. Hey, it's, it's awesome to see that play where three players are playing quarterback and then you throw a touchdown to one of them. 
but you also got to win football games. And, uh, and I think everybody's on the same page when it comes to Kansas City in that locker room of we all got to get better. Sorry to go back to this, but you, you mentioned Javante Williams, and I I wonder. I mean, you 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 said why isn't he carrying the ball more? Seven, you know, seven yards a carry, but it's not just seven yards a carry. He is breaking tackles at an unbelievable rate that it, it just blows away anybody else in the NFL. Is he having troubles in protection? Is he having trouble picking up the passing game? Why isn't he getting the ball more? Well, and you bring up a great point. The missed tackle is over 33%. He creates 33% missed tackles on his runs, and that's according to Pro Football Focus. He's a rookie, and that leads the NFL. So um, he is smaller, and and guys, you got to forgive football coaches for not being able to change with the times all the time, right? So I think for Pat Shermer, he may think, well, if we rush, if we run him 15, 20 times, he's not going to last. That may be true. But he's also a second-round pick who needs to play. So help him create. And he had a 49-yard run. It's the second game in three in the last three that he's had a, a run of over 40 yards. That player needs to play. So part of it, too, is the, the Broncos lack offensive leadership beyond Teddy Bridgewater. I mean, there was a, the year we won Super Bowl 50, we were playing the Chargers, and my coach, our coach Gary Kubiak, you know, threw three straight passes when we were, we were running the ball real well. So I went to him and said, hey, pull your head out of your bleep. Let us run the bleeping ball. We did. Right, we had that conversation. We did, and we rushed for over 200 yards. So you have nobody in that offense. You don't have a veteran of seven, eight years who's going to turn to Pat Shermer and say, "Hey, Pat, pull your bleep out of your, you know, bleep, and let's get this running back to get going here because we got an opportunity to even out and balance this offense. You're getting in the way with your plays that try and make you look like a smart offensive coordinator. So those are the types of conversations you have in the NFL. There are no HR departments in the NFL. You got to handle conflict when it arises, and they just don't have the leadership, the Broncos, offensively, to have those accountability conversations with coaches. Ryan Harris joining us uh, from Denver here on Bleep Bleep. I'm sorry, Cofield and Company. Um, and uh, I don't know. I don't know the, the rules over there. I can say the A word here, but I don't know. You know. No, you know what? We'll uh, we'll err on the side of caution. Uh, we, we've. <laughs> We've dealt with enough with uh, bad choices of words in Vegas for, for a lifetime over the right. last few days. So, um, you know, as we look at these two teams as they sit right now, um, this is obviously a game that matters for the division race. It's a game that matters for the wild card race. And you said, you know, the Broncos can't take the Raiders lightly given their situation. Just team against team, scheme against scheme. How do you see the Broncos and Raiders uh, coming together this weekend? Well, it really hinges on Derek Carr and his ability for the big play. Um, you know, Ben Roethlisberger was 80% for on throws for 20-plus yards last week against the Broncos' defense. If Derek Carr can keep that long game going, well, then that opens up the later-on routes for Darren Waller, and, and you got to get your run game going. So it, nobody's lost the fact that until last week, the Raiders were one of the highest-scoring offenses in the NFL. Um, but they've got to do it in a, in a noisy atmosphere. I mean, Denver has one of the most unique stadiums in the NFL. They actually have, you know, a th- thunderous stands. They, the fans stand up and pound their feet, and there's all kinds of tinfoil and aluminum in the stadium to make that noise rattle your bones on the field. So they've got to do it in a hostile environment, and they've got to do it um, as a team without a head coach. Without, it, I mean, now you have an interim head coach. You've got you to do it as a team going through change. And for the Broncos, you have to decide who's going to step up and play on offense if you can stop the big play on defense. Uh, I like Derek Carr and the offense of the Raiders in the big play matchup versus Denver's defense, and that to me is where they'll win the game. Yep, Ryan, we'll get you out of here. What's the final score? 
come on, man, I'm a Broncos champion, and, and, and I can't stand some of the Oakland Raiders fans. <laughs> I don't know about you Vegas fans, so I'll give you a pass for now. But uh, give me 24-17 Broncos, but it could easily be the other way for your team. Oh, sorry. I, also, I don't have to worry about snow this weekend, do I? <laughs> no. No, we wish, but no, it doesn't matter to the Raiders fans anyway. You guys are savages with loose morals. It doesn't matter the weather, does it? <laughs> don't let me in with the fans. I'm, I'm a very objective media <laughs> member, right? Yeah, right. <laughs> Big All professional. Right. I got you, yeah, Adam. I got you. I'll see you up there. All right. Thanks, Ryan guys. Harris, we appreciate your time, man. Thank you, sir. Thank you. Uh, Adam, are we just worried about snow for travel purposes, or do you just not want to see snow? Are you are you just do you hate snow among the many things that you hate? No, I I don't hate it necessarily, but I will tell you this: I don't want to have to pack for snow or no snow. Like I just want to pack like three things. Like let's go. I, I don't want to check a bag. I just want to carry on and let's let's get off the plane and get there. You could just wear it all. Just just sure. wear the big jacket. Sure, just I wear could. it on the plane. I right? could. Yeah, like uh, make make it seem like it's COVID protection or something like that. I don't know. Uh, yeah, Adam Hill will be headed uh, to Denver to cover the Raiders and the Broncos this weekend as we talk with Ryan Harris a little bit about what's going on on the field uh, between these teams. But, you know, there's still plenty to talk about. The Washington football team is, uh, you know, they're, they're back in this part of the news here since the investigation started with them. We're going to get to that in just a moment here on Cofield and Company. Finley Toyota. They'll do anything to sell you a car. No Toyota problem is too tough, too large, or too small. Keep your Toyota running like a Toyota. What's up? It's Tyler Bischoff from the Press Box coming up on the show tomorrow. Did the Golden Knights start the season with a win over the expansion Seattle Kraken? Plus, what the hell happens next for the Raiders? Rich Bisaccia going to get this team turned around and into the playoffs and who could be the next coach of this organization? All that coming up tomorrow. We'll talk to Jason Fitz about the Raiders, plus be joined by Sam and Ash to break down John Gruden and his emails starting at 7 a.m. Kentucky hasn't beat Georgia in over a decade. Listen Saturday at noon as Kentucky looks to get lucky at the number two Bulldogs on Raider Nation Radio 920 a.m. From the Finley Toyota Studio, it's Cofield and Company. Another work day coming to the conclusion here and Cofield and Company. Adam Candy and Adam Hill, you made it. John Gruden didn't. Big five time. Battleborn Injury Lawyers presents the Big Five at Five. Number five. I wasn't kidding earlier. This, for me, is in contention for biggest sports story in the 30-plus years that I've been in Las Vegas as John Gruden resigns as head coach of the Raiders. We don't hear a whole lot more from the organization today, but we do, Adam, hear a lot more from around the NFL because, of course, uh, if you've been following the story closely, you know that the Gruden emails came out of a trove of 650,000, yes, that is an accurate number in the Washington football team investigation into their toxic work culture involving Bruce Allen, who, of course, was the recipient of the Gruden emails. And the pressure is now mounting on the league to release more than just the Gruden emails. Yes, I'm just going to go ahead and assume 
that those emails came from the NFL. But now you have the attorneys for some of the employees who brought suit against the Washington football team. You have reportedly the NFL Players Association uh, all pushing the NFL to release the rest of the emails, which contain God only knows what, uh, if this was the selective release when it comes to John Gruden. Um, the NFL, for its part, is making it sound as though, nope, nope, this is it. We're done. We're good. Oh, hey, by the way, Bruce Allen's not going to ever uh, have a job again, so we took care of that one. Go team. Um, Adam, the NFL has made quite a push, um, probably because it had to on some level societally in the wake of the Black Lives Matter movement to put messages on helmets, on the field, uh, on ads about its support of inclusion and its support of uh, whether it's the Black Lives Matter movement or any other uh, movement, stop Asian hate, et cetera, et cetera. Um, but here we are at a moment where it seems like the NFL's got one huge decision to make here. Where do you think this goes? Uh, where do you think we're headed next with the NFL and the Washington football team investigation? Well, first of all, I have 73,671 unread emails. And so you're not even close to what came, you're like that's no. basically like 12% of the Washington investigation. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's overwhelming looking at my inbox and I'm like, wow, 650,000 seems, seems like a lot. Now those were red. Uh, but yeah, it's 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 overwhelming number for sure because God, seventy three thousand teams. Like every time I open my email, I'm like, good lord. Um, I, I I don't know what else will come out. We should say that the league has put out a statement today saying they didn't release emails to anyone. Uh huh. Now you sure. can you can take what you want from that. You can believe what you want from that. Uh, but they have said that they didn't release emails and they don't plan on releasing anything else. Now what they have said is nothing else that they went through, nothing else that they sorted through rose to this level. Nothing rose to the level that teams had to be alerted about people that had sent emails in their organization. I have a hard time believing that. Um, of that many emails, some have to be troubling and disturbing and um, rise to some sort of level. I, I, I think it's fair to ask why these are the ones that came out. I, I, like, I think that's a fair question to ask without defending what was in the emails. Um, it's a separate issue. Why did this come out? Did did the league leak these particular emails because John Gruden said some horrific things about the commissioner? Like, is that possible? Yeah, I think it's possible. It doesn't excuse what John Gruden said. It doesn't mean he shouldn't you know, be fired or, or whatever you want to say along those lines. But I think it's an absolutely fair question to ask and one that, you know, obviously we're looking into it. Everybody's looking into um, who knew what and why this got out and all, and all those other things. But um, for the league to now say, well, nothing else really rises to that level. Well, who's the judge of that, too? Um, you decided that and these are horrific emails and, you know, you decided they needed to be seen. And that's fine. But what if there's something that you might not think is too crazy, but we do. Or that other people would think is offensive or over the top. If you're going to be making this judgment. I, I, I think that's a fair question to ask. And it's why... You know, I, I know I think I heard you say earlier, just release all of them. And I've heard other people say that, too. Now, some of them might include things like, you know, teams, how teams negotiate or, hey, this is how we are going to approach making a trade or offering a trade. Like, I guess if there's industry secrets like that, maybe you don't want those out. Maybe. Um, I don't know. But I, I think for the most part, if you're going to be selective about what you release, I think that's unfair. 
and I do think we should probably see all. If Listen, I'm not saying we should or shouldn't see any of them. But if we're going to see some and the ones that they deem offensive, then let's go. And, yeah, it was Miles actually saying that, you know, we should release all of oh, them. And right. I can't say I, – I mean, I can't say I disagree. And, and the reason that I say it is not that I am as concerned about the content of the emails because I think we can safely say that within 650,000 emails in that organization – with what we already know about the Washington football team and Daniel Snyder, we're going to be offended. It's just a matter of to what degree we're going to be offended and by whom. Um, but, but the NFL has not earned the benefit of the doubts to selectively release anything. Um, and I could just, you know, I'll just give it a few examples. Spygate, Deflategate, Ray Rice, pick what you want that where the NFL has not earned the benefit of the doubt in terms of its transparency, in terms of being forthcoming. Um, it's more about the fact that the NFL wanted to take a stand on workplace culture, on racism, and obviously misogyny, homophobia, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. The list goes on. If you want to do that, knowing what we already know, there has to be more. You can't try to shut it down based on what uh, we've seen thus far, because as you mentioned, Adam, You've sent a couple hundred texts already today. Every NFL reporter around the league is doing the exact same thing to try to suss out more information about what might be in those emails. It's going to come out. It's absolutely going to come out eventually. The league needs to get in front of it. Number four. Kyrie Irving, Adam, is um, in his own words. He's a freedom, he's a freedom words, fighter, Adam. Yeah, it's the, in the words of his own camp, he wants to be a voice for the voiceless. <laughs> that is that is the Kyrie Irving that we have known and loved uh, since he was at Duke. Uh, the news, obviously, that we talked about earlier was that Kyrie Irving has essentially been told to hit the street by the Brooklyn Nets until he is vaccinated. He can't play for them in more than half of their games based on local mandates in New York and elsewhere. Um and so Kyrie, uh, being the media-friendly guy that he is, uh, we, of course, know that he talked about the media as pawns uh, when he was back in Boston and how he wouldn't deal with them and et cetera. Um, so he has his camp put out a story today, we can only assume, based on how this came out with an anonymous source, that Kyrie's not anti-vax. Adam, he's not anti-vax. I want you to understand that. Kyrie wants you to know he's not anti-vax. He is against mandates for the vaccine, that are costing people their jobs. He wants to be a voice for the voiceless. And Adam, that is why Kyrie put this out through an anonymous source in The Athletic. And also why every time on the preseason Zoom, he was asked a question about his vaccination status. He said, next question, and didn't say anymore. That, sir, is what a voice for the voiceless, a champion of the people does. Yeah, you okay? You your voice for the voiceless. Here's your platform. What do you have to say? No comment. Next question. It it just it makes no next sense. question. But also, like I I am, I am wondering. I obviously know the answer. I'm just saying it. Uh, why are so many flat earthers also anti-vaxxers? Um, really, this is not a corner of the internet I have any <laughs> desire to dig into, Adam. If you want to go there, go there. Right, but, but it's it's that's I mean that is the answer, right? It's people that get their information from the internet, not from 
you know, actual resources and they've been, you know, they've just decided that actual resources and actual knowledge and actual scientific study and those things lie and that the internet tells the truth, <laughs> which, if, if, listen, I am, I am, and I am unabashedly an, an internet addict and a Twitter addict and I am online constantly. But I also know that you you can't trust things that you read on the internet as just fact. Uh, it's it's a really weird phenomenon that, you know. And again, not that weird. It makes sense. Flat earthers, anti-vaxxers, kind of similar. Yeah. Uh, um, and if we're gonna get back to talking about both flat earther and apparently not anti-vaccine Duke, basketball Duke educated player, Kyrie Irving. Duke. Yeah, at least for a year. Uh, Duke-educated Kyrie Irving, um, let's get to this. If you believe in social clauses, if you have all of these interests that extend beyond the court, I'm not here to tell you not to have them. I'm not tell you. I'm not here to tell you your opinion is right or is wrong. Um, that's not my business. Frankly, I don't care enough. Uh, you know, if I believe in your causes, I'll be with you. Um, but the Brooklyn Nets and the NBA don't owe you a job because of them. Right. They don't owe you employment. They don't owe you the money that you signed a contract to perform and play basketball for. They don't owe you that at the expense of your desired causes and what they mean to the team. And if you want to forfeit that money, then forfeit that money. We hear rumors all the time, Kyrie would just retire. Then go. And don't leave the Brooklyn Nets and the National Basketball Association. And most importantly, your teammates, your coach, don't leave them hanging over this and if you're gonna advocate for the cause then do it in some meaningful way then do it because whether you want to go from Colin Kaepernick losing his career to any level on down of speaking up for social causes then there are examples of people who've done it but this ain't it man this ain't it number three Kyrie Irving is out Adam and Ben Simmons Hey, uh, who the, who the hell knew Ben Simmons is in? Uh, we thought maybe Ben Simmons was gone. Uh, the standoff between him and the Philadelphia 76ers was at an impasse. They were going to try to trade him. Um, and if you shock Woj, you clearly have shocked the world. As Woj reported last night, that basically Ben Simmons uh, was doing his high fidelity impression like John Cusack, standing there down at the bottom of the Sixers facility with his radio saying, hey, let me in, baby. Let me in. I'm here. Ben needs to get in the facility. Let's go. I'm back. We're doing this. What in the hell is going on in Philadelphia with Ben Simmons? Wait, is that's not the one with the jukebox, is it? Yeah. Ben Simmons with his jukebox. That's High Fidelity? Yes. I thought High Fidelity was when they, the, like at the record store. Damn it. Did I screw this up? Is that a different John Cusack movie? I think it's a different John Cusack movie. Damn it. Man, I have to do more research for these shows. I could be wrong. <laughs> like now, I'm just completely throwing this out. I I think High Fidelity is a different John Cusack movie, though. It's say anything. I'm gonna get killed on it, the internet. It's say, it's say anything. <laughs> it is. It's a two-word <laughs> title. It's say anything. But make sure, Adam, when you say anything, you say it with high fidelity. <laughs> sure. Um, sorry to say, I know that wasn't the point of your of your. Speech. No, it wasn't the point. But it's your brand, so I understand why you had to do it. Um, I I actually was scared there too because I thought I could be wrong. Um, I and listen, I'm as confused about what 
uh, Ben Simmons is doing as you are about John Cusack movies. Um, I Fair. did not see this coming. I, I, th- I thought for sure he was just going to stay away. Now, you know, we, we know when you start messing with somebody's money, their, you know, their stances go away very quickly. Their, uh, their resoluteness evaporates when the threat of money is, is involved. And, you know, they were going to take away $9 million, withhold $9 million. And he said, okay, I'll come in. Now, I don't think this is solved. I don't think this is, hey, he's there and he's going to play there this year. Like, they burned the bridges, both sides. Uh, ben Simmons burned the bridges. Joel Embiid burned, burned it from the other side. Like, there's no crossing anymore. I feel like the entire organization basically was saying, hey, we've moved on. We don't want him here. Um, but when you have an asset like that and everybody knows you want to get rid of it, you're not going to be able to get the same price tag. And so maybe maybe this is a means to, okay, he's here. We're going to make it work. Unless somebody still wants to give us three picks. Like, I, I think maybe they use this as leverage and say, all right, he is going to play. Now he is worth something. Give us something. Maybe that's what happens. But I don't see it being fixed. Well, one of my coworkers at my day job lives in Pennsylvania, and she retweeted the report of Ben Simmons coming in to take his physical. And she is a huge Sixers fan, and she said... Sorry, he's going to fail the physical. He has no heart. So we kind of know where the mind of the Philly fan is right now. Number two. I do not want to get played again. Adam, we won't be fooled again. That's a song from John Cusack and High Fidelity. No, I'm kidding. Um, The Oakland A's continue to play us through their mouthpiece, uh, Rob Manfred. Rob Manfred doing an interview at a conference today had this to say about the Oakland Stadium situation and the possibility of them moving to Las Vegas. Particularly in the case of Oakland, we've had to open up the opportunity to explore other locations just because it's dragged on so long. And, you know, frankly, in some ways, we're not sure we see a path to success in terms of getting something built in Oakland. Mm-hmm. So a relocation is a... Yeah, is a, mm-hmm. is a possibility in mm-hmm. Oakland. Yeah, I mean, they, you know, we, we, they've been talking to Las Vegas. It's gotten a lot of publicity. Um, but there are options in terms of relocation in addition to Las Vegas. Are there? <laughs> um, you know, we've heard plenty, Adam, about the A's coming to Las Vegas. And for the sake of time i'm going to leave all of rob manfred's comments about the viability of oakland as a site um alone that's a whole different thing um there are other sites are there rob uh adam uh, who who's getting played here is it the fans in oakland is it us here in vegas are are we back in a montreal expo situation where we're going to get played off someone else we're going to get played off oakland because this is the history of las vegas before the Golden Knights and the Raiders, as you know well. Um, this is the place that everybody used as leverage up until, oh my God, somebody seriously did it. <laughs> uh, and this feels like Rob Manfred trying to use the old playbook. And I feel like as Vegas, like as a market, we gotta be like, nah, dude, we're past that now. Yeah, I mean, I think the question of who got played, it's it's Vegas in the Raiders deal. And, you know, I think a lot of people look at that and say, hey, you were a sucker once, we're gonna make you a sucker again. Like the the financial aspects of this has just never been discussed, right? It's Oakland is looking at Las Vegas. They want to move to Las Vegas. They're very interested in it. Oh well, how how's it going to be financed? Oh, we'll talk about that later. Well, how who's paying? Hey, don't, don't worry about it. We'll talk about that later. 
Just don't you want baseball? Yeah, I mean, we're interested, but who, who's paying? No, don't, no, I didn't, that's not the question. We just said, do you want baseball? Then? Like, at some point, they're going to hit Vegas with, well, you gave the Raiders $750 million. You probably give us $750 million, right? Like, that's what's going on. And I think the the baseball side of things, I think, is starting to see, like, oh, that's not going to happen? Okay, we need to open up for more markets because ideally their goal is still to get the stadium done in Oakland that they want to get done. And they just keep continuing to say, Hey, we're hitting these roadblocks or they don't want to do this for us. Or they don't want to, by the way, the deal that Oakland has already offered to the A's, right? Way better than anything we should be offering way better. So what exactly do they want from us to come here? More than that. Another seven hundred fifty million, and and I think as we're starting to put those, you know, those those dots together. And again, I'm somebody I would love to have baseball here. I love going to Major League Baseball games. I love attending. I'd love to have a team in town. I want it, but we can't do another deal like that. And that clearly is what they want to have happen. So now they have to open it up to other places and say, hey, that's not the only, uh, not the only possibility, Oakland. Oh, Oakland, you're not buying into the fact that we might go to Vegas because they're not going to give us that money? Well, we might be looking elsewhere. They're just they're just trying to get a deal done in Oakland. That's all they want to do. You are 100% right that Oakland's already offered them better than what they should get here. And for anybody who doesn't remember what the political fight was like to get that $750 million through the Nevada State Legislature, that was not a walk in the park. That, were, that was tense moments. That was close votes. That was very very powerful political forces that was having to tie that 750 million dollars to a billion dollars for an expansion of the las vegas convention center that was not something where we're just clear suckers for one thing it took feeding a lot of different mouths to get that money put through and it's not the same as coming back and you know talking to the same people and trying to get the same deal done it ain't there anymore Number one. Um, the very first professional sports franchise in Nevada history in the four major leagues opens its season tonight. And here it is at the end of the big five. And that probably says as much about us as it does about the rest of the news going on in Nevada today. But the Vegas Golden Knights open up their season against the Seattle Kraken. Who? The Seattle Kraken, the expansion team, the one that uh, didn't take any Golden Knights players because the last little bit of the sweetheart deal the Golden Knights got had coming in via expansion was that they didn't have to give up any players to Seattle in those proceedings. Uh, the game gets started at 7 o'clock pregame and, of course, coverage on the Golden Knights radio network in our Lotus family over on Fox Sports Radio. Adam, um, we know that from the way that the Golden Knights have acted throughout the offseason that... The mandate appears to be getting to be at least Yankees-ish, Yankees light, championship or bust. But you, not looking at it through those lenses, what do you think realistically we should be expecting out of this team this year? Well, they should make a deep run in the playoffs, right? I think the the expectations could vary depending on the person that you ask and what you think. Um, is going to happen with this team. Some might think they're a cup winner. Some might think um, they're, you know, another semifinalist somewhere around there. But the expectation has to be that they win the division. They are in a 
putrid division that they should have run away with. Um, I don't know if that ideally prepares you for playoff action. If you're, you know, if you're not playing meaningful games at the end of the year. Uh, so I think that might be a potential thing to look out for, but they shouldn't be competing as their division. They should be competing as themselves because I think this division is going to be over very early. Uh, the Knights are just way too talented and way too deep um, compared to any other team in this division. So that expectation um, should absolutely be on them that they win the division, which means you get home ice uh, for the first couple of rounds of the playoffs. Uh, so, you know, this is a team that should make a deep run. They should be expected to make a deep run, and, and that should happen this year. There shouldn't be anything standing in that way. No, there shouldn't be. Um, ESPN pulled all of its insiders about who would win the Golden Knights division. Uh, one picked someone other than the Golden Knights. There was one vote for the Edmonton Oilers. Uh, that is the high-end case for the Golden Knights uh, opponent in Edmonton to be able to do that. The Golden Knights should be winning the division. Robin Leonard should be competing for, if not, the uh, top five, top ten goals against average in the league with the team he has in front of him, then certainly close to it. Uh, thanks to all our guests today. It hasn't been an easy day talking about the John Gruden resignation, but it's been a necessary one here in Vegas. Uh, thanks to Adam Hill for giving us some time in his busy day. Thanks to Ari for a great job booking the show out. Uh, and we will be back tomorrow. Another Adams Family edition of Cofield and Company getting back to you with what I'm sure will be a lot more news about the Raiders. The Big Five at Five brought to you by Battleborn Injury Lawyers.